0: Before we officially begin, I just want to let everyone know we should have in our prayers and say extra tillim um, for, uh, first of all, Rivka Bas Malka, It's Rivka Bortz, who's regular in this class, who needs her a and also for uh, the Levaya t- today, the is today, for her mother, for Malka Bas Reb Noyach, and um, should think, have in mind that the discourse of this learning is uh, for them. And uh, any extra mitzvahs, tefillahs that you can add will uh, definitely have their impact on high. Okay. So we're in week number two. Remember last week? We, uh, we finished the title page. Remember the title page? Yeah. Can I quiz you? Sorry. What's the real name of the book? It's not called Tanya. Safe official Shell Okay. Do we know what Bainanim are yet? No. Okay. Fine. Um, what's another name for the book? Tanya. Well, that's what we call it. Another name the author called it. Anyone remember? Compilation. Mm-hmm. Look at the Amadim. Compilation of sayings. Very good. Paula brought her book. Hold it up so everyone can see what the real. Yeah, everyone sees. Um, this is from actually Mendel with... It's from Mendel by Mitzvah. Imagine that. It's uh, wow, Man, amazing. Time, time flies. Okay, Baruch Hashem, and uh, we have a Tanya map. Googie brought in a framed Tanya map. Should we can we get it on camera maybe? Can we pass it up even though we just passed it over there? You think we could do that? Can we I won't put you on camera, don't, don't worry. <laughs> Let's just uh. for the recording. Pass it over Okay. that I so this is the Tanya map. So it's a learning tool, a learning aid for the study of Tanya. It has all the 53 chapters of Tanya um, laid out and color-coded according to the different themes. And uh, this makes learning a little bit easier. Oh, yeah. And it also comes in a smaller version, a little handheld. Fold-up version. Okay, fine. All right. Um, the Alter Rebbe said, "Where did he get his? Where did he get this stuff from? Do you remember?" Maluchet me pi svarim He got it from books and from teachers. Remember, the idea here is that this is a codification of ideas that have been around. But the Alter Rebbe systemized it and put it into a, call it a procedural manual. But the ideas have been around. Uh, and then also, remember the Alter Rebbe said it's based on a on a Pasuk, and a verse from the Torah. Remember which, which verse from the Torah the the whole book's based on? <laughs> For this matter, meaning Torah itself, is very close to you, in your mouth, in your heart, that you may do it. And uh, which basically means that it is accessible. It's attainable. It's attainable. Okay. And then he says that we're going to explain how is it close to you? All right, You you can quote verses at me. You can make an argument based on authority. The Holy Torah says that it is accessible to adhere to the dictates of Torah. Okay, that's what it says, but my experience is that it hasn't been so easy. So you're going to have to explain to me how it is accessible and he says we're going to explain it in a long and short way which we explained means a way that is both long and short it's going to take a lot of time remember this last week you don't remember this part this is this is the part this is the part i gotta re- repeat because this is the disclaimer so you don't sue me it's going to take a long time this is not fun this is not inspiring we don't get uh in, we don't get uh, spiritual thrills over here you want you want that you can Drop acid and go to the Pink Floyd Laser Light Show at the planetarium. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. No, I'm not telling you to actually do that. I'm saying oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to do spiritual thrills. We're learning deep stuff, which means you got to figure it out and uh, connect to it. And then you got to meditate on it and it, let it percolate. And eventually, you know, like a week, a month, a year later, the penny will drop. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's what it's talking about. So, uh, oh, because <coughs> excuse me, because you have to actually understand what we're talking about. This is not about spiritual thrills or excitement or inspiration or any of that uh, dirty language, which we called chagas. Remember, we called that chagas last week. This is a real chabad. So, therefore, if something doesn't make sense to you, do me a favor and just interrupt me. I don't. Last time we did this class, I was trying to pound it out. I had a you know a goal to get a certain amount done every time. I'm not going to do that this time. I'm going to take it slower. So if you don't understand something, just stop me. And I'll say, what is it that you don't understand? Then you'll tell us. And then either everyone will say, oh, well, that's a really simple thing. He just said it five seconds ago. And you'll be like, oh, yeah. And then nobody should judge that because people zone out. Or the whole class will say, yeah, you know, what she just said, none of us understand it. And I'll realize that I didn't say it or I didn't explain it properly and we'll go back and we'll re-explain it. But you have to do that. You have to, there has to be quality control. So if something doesn't make sense to you, just say it doesn't, I'm pointing out that you're taking a risk because if you say something doesn't make sense, it is possible. Someone will turn around and say to you, he just said it five seconds ago, but you have to take that risk because it's possible that you're going to say something doesn't make sense. And then everyone will back you up and say, yeah, Rabbi the next didn't explain it properly. And then I'll have to go. Back, so is everyone confident enough to do that? Or even a couple people confident enough to do it? you You could do it, well you'll try it. Okay, all right. Oh, do you really? So you prepare. Wow, that's smart. I So you're setting the tone of vulnerability over here. All right. it's good. That's good. All right. And you brought the map in. Get an A for the semester. Okay. So should we start the... I'm going to go to the Hakdomas HaMalakit, the compilers forward. There are some other um, texts in between the title page and the Hakdomas HaMalakit. There are uh, other forwards that speak a little bit about a lot of it's like uh, legal stuff, um, like not copying the book and stuff like that, which we'll talk about, uh, God willing, later because the the in the compiler's forward it also mentions these things, and there's some haskamas. There's two haskamas approbations specifically from Reb Zusha. And Rabbi Yehuda Leib those were colleagues of the Alter Rebbe uh, contemporaries. Uh, they were Talmideh uh, Maggid. They were, uh, they were uh, disciples of the Magad along with the Alter Rebbe in Mesrich. So they wrote approbations. Anyways, we're going to jump to the Hagdomas HaMalakit, to the compilers forward, if we're all good. And if you have a Tanya like like Paula, then you can look. Hagdomas HaMalakit. I'm going to hold it up and see. Oh, there you go. Okay, excellent. Thank you. All right. Compilers forward. Okay, compilers forward. So this is Agdoma like, HaMalaka, The compilers forward. Vihi this is a letter that has been sent, dispatched. V'cholos to Anash to uh, the men of our fellowship. May the rock Bless them and keep them. Aleichem ishim ekro, I call upon you, fellows. reid Hashem. Listen to me. Those who pursue righteousness and seek out the Lord. Yal-Tereb the is speaking to people who are interested in serving Hashem. He calls them reid Fait tzedek Hashem. I'm going to ask you a question. Lubavitchers only. How about this? This is to expose the paucity of our educational system. No, erase that. Okay. Where in Tanya does it prove the existence of God? It doesn't. 100%, 100% correct, Tippy. Why not? it says, the al says, he's speaking to Mavaksha Hashem, he's speaking to people who are pursuing righteousness and they're searching Hashem, they're looking for Hashem. Who's, who's he speaking to? He's speaking to someone who already is interested. Not only do they know Hashem exists, but they've been trying to serve him. Okay. The Tanya is not here to convince anybody that they need to serve Hashem. It's not here to convince them that Yiddishkeit is true or that there is a God. You might find that in, in Hakira, in the works of Jewish philosophy, that uh, use polemic argument logic to make a case for and for the fact that Hashem runs the world, he has a special covenant with the Jewish people, you would find that in the works of Hakira like, like Kuzari, but um, he's not here to convince you that you need to be doing this, any more than, let's say, if you would go to a, a, a therapist and you would say, convince me I need to be in therapy. Well, you know what? When you want to be here, we'll work will work but if you want if you want to come here that i should convince you that you should be here maybe go go back out mess your life up some more and come back when you're sufficiently frustrated right so the style of the book is speaking to someone who already knows that they want to be serving Hashem and they're they're experiencing certain frustration so they're coming for guidance they're coming for guidance Remember I said last week, it's sort of like a personal trainer. Person has been trying to get in shape. So he goes to the personal trainer. He's like, I've been trying to do this on my own. It's not working. Can you help me out? So think about it like that. It's not here to convince you about the basic premise of Yiddishkeit. It's here to help you do what you already want to do. It's a manual. That's right. Right. So if you buy a a, a manual, it's not going to, If it's a manual how to, I don't know, how to uh, hmm? put together, together. how to put the barbecue grill together? Right. So the first chapter of the manual is not why barbecue is great. If, if you bought the manual, you already know that you want to be a barbecue. You probably own a barbecue that you don't know how to use. Right? Okay. Very good. Good muscle. This class is very very sharp. Very sharp over here. Okay. I like it. All right. So he's speaking to uh, people who are who are already interested. I'm speaking to all of the anash from around here. He gives him a little bracha, big bracha. Amen. Okay. mudas zais. It is a known principle. And it is a common saying. to say, among to say, You cannot compare hearing words of Rebuke to seeing and reading it in books. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's funny. You guys didn't laugh. It's hilarious. You didn't get the joke? There's a Talmudic expression. You can't compare hearing to seeing. If you see something, it makes a real impression. Seeing is believing, like they say. <clears throat> if you see something, you know it's real. If you hear about it, like hearsay, you hear about it. So maybe it's real, maybe it's not. Even if you believe it's real, it's sort of uh, faint. It's sort of vague. Yeah, you got water? I'll take water, yeah, yeah. thank you. Echoes, yeah, you should be able to echo. Oh, could you, Tanya app? Is there a Tanya app? We got to make it? It must be, it must be. be. Chabad.org slash Tanya, they have the whole Tanya online, broken down into chapters. Yeah, Chabad.org slash Tanya. It's a whole Tanya navigator tool over there. It's a great tool, actually. Um, so seeing is believing if you see something then it's real if you just hear about it then it's like you know even if i believe it it's more it's more of a vague concept more abstract so there's a cute saying from chasidim that sort of turns that on its head and instead of saying you can't compare hearing to seeing right hearing pals in comparison to seeing so they, they made a joke, and they, this is what you got to laugh at. This is hilarious. They made a joke, and they said, you can't compare seeing to hearing. Because the seeing, in this case, in the joke, means looking at a book. As compared to what hearing means, hearing the voice of the Rebbe who is guiding you. So there's a saying. The al rebbe says, there's a saying. People say. Who says they say? The Chassidim say. If you're trying to get guidance in life, there are two ways. One is to go one-on-one and get personal attention. The other is buy a book from a master. So the chassidim say, here's the water. They say like this. You can't compare the effect that hearing it Getting actual personal attention in real life has. You cannot compare that. It's so much greater than the effect of looking at a book, of seeing it printed on the page, where you're just reading the book and putting the words together on your own. You can't compare. So in other words, what is the Altareb is saying here in Hakdamas HaMalakit, in the Compilers Forward? The first thing he's doing is he's saying, I'm acknowledging that there is an inherent deficiency in the written word. That when you want guidance, and I've said this before, I'm gonna say it again. And I hope this point becomes very, very clear that Tanya is a book of guidance, it's a manual. When you want guidance, it is universally understood that if you can have a trainer to spot you and to watch you and to guide you, that is incomparably greater than going and getting that same guidance written in a book by the same guy by the same trainer okay so he says like this I'm going to acknowledge the inherent limitations of a book one of the problems is the reader there's a subjective filter when a reader is reading they take it the way that they want to take it now obviously that happens in one on one in-person communication as well but there's a lot more adjustment that could be made where the teacher can talk to the student in a way that is more tailor-made or where you know the teacher realizes the student is going off on the wrong tangent and the teacher can sort of bring things back but when you're reading a book the book's written already that's it the books is written so you're reading this book and you're reading it through your own filter so that's one problem The person is reading according to his way, according to his mind. He's also reading according to his mental capacity. He's just, he has a certain level of uh, capacity to understand the book, and the book's written in one, one tone. That's it, the book's written already. If his mind, is confused and he's walking he's fumbling in the dark in in regards to his service of Hashem it's going to be hard for him to see the good light that is hidden in the books in other words the, the good light is in the book but subjectively speaking it's, it doesn't avail him anything because it's not objectively discernible, it is subjectively discernible. In other words, if you know how to find it, if you know how to be on the right wavelength, so you're going to, oh, that's a masterpiece. But if you don't know how to read it, then it goes over your head. Okay. Even if that light is sweet to the eyes and healing to the soul. But it doesn't help him because he doesn't pick up on it. All right. So that's the that's the first problem. The subjective limitations of the reader when you're reading a book. Ubar well, mean Dane, and aside from that, there's another issue. There's another issue. basically, Al Tareb is telling you. All the reasons why this book is not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who starts a book like that? Like, don't even bother. Why are you reading this? I can't, be- I can't believe you paid money for this book. Okay, so let's find out. I hope we get to the end where he explains it. Okay. <laughs> no one's going to come back next week. Altaneda said there's no point reading a book. All right. But he's, he's really, he's tackling the issues. Because like I said before, and I said again, I'm, I'm going to say another time. This is a manual. This is personal guidance. If it's just an encyclopedia, nobody has to write this kind of a, a disclaimer. Because everyone understands a reference book is a reference book. You just look up the book and you find information. It's like Google. But if it's supposed to be a personal trainer, then we do have to address this issue. And that's why the Altadeb is addressing it. You understand? It, it, because of the kind of book that it is, this has to be addressed. It's the elephant in the room. You know, I bought my friend for his birthday, I bought him an, an elephant. And he said, thank you. I said, don't mention it. <laughs> These are Chabad jokes, they take, they have to percolate in the, in the sechel, And then a year later you laugh. Okay. So, yeah, it's a practical guidebook and a practical guidebook, but why am I reading a manual? I want a trainer. I want a one-on-one. And by the way, let me just give you a little historical background, just FYI. A lot of people reading this book were spoiled. They were used to being able to get the one-on-one guidance from the author. And he's going to address that in a little bit. I'm just giving you a heads up that he's going to address that in a little bit, that a lot of the people reading this book were accustomed to getting the one-on-one personal treatment. And now they're being told it's in the book. You know, like (laughs) when, when you have like a pundit goes on a talk show and they ask him a question. He's like, well, that's a good question. That's in my book. He's trying to sell his book, right? That's in my book. That's on page 82 of my book. Yeah. You got to get my book. All right. So the Altareb is saying now we're going to have this system now called a book. And people are a little bit up in arms. Why are, we, why are we using a book? We know that there's no comparison between <clears throat> one-on-one in-person guidance and a, and, a, and a book. Okay, so the first problem is the subjective filter of the reader. He reads what he wants to read. Also, he's limited by his intellectual capacity. All right, and now another issue. So that was like 1A and 1B. Issue one is the subjective quality of it. Like 1A would be Everyone looks for what they want to find, and one B would be like everyone has a certain uh, intellectual capacity, so you're not going to get everything that's there. Or maybe even the worst case scenario, you'll get nothing that's there. You'll just say, "I don't know." People say this is a great book, but went over my head. All right. Well, Bar Aside from that, there's another issue. Another issue. Books that are based on human wisdom certainly are not shovel a chol mefish. Shovel means like universal. Something one size fits all, or I, I don't know, I don't want to say one size fits all, but like universal, universally relevant. Books that are written based on human intellect are certainly not universally relevant. In other words, a lot of times, not a lot of times, he says he says it as a as a as a claw. When a book is based on... What's a book based on human wisdom? I don't know, the Communist Manifesto, uh, Shakespeare. uh, I mean... (laughs) Books based on human wisdom. So even if a really smart person wrote them and you have to read them in order to be considered smart, you have to understand them within a certain context. They're not universally relevant. You read them to become educated, but it doesn't mean that necessarily speaks to you. It's not like you're gonna read uh, you, you're gonna you're gonna read uh, Voltaire and you're gonna say, "Oh, this guy's speaking to me. This is how I want to live my life." You read it because that, you know you want to be educated. Doesn't necessarily mean, or maybe in a certain cultural context, it was important, and maybe uh, someone was trying to convince me once how funny Charles uh, Dickens was. Yeah, it's a history professor. And then I realized that he was trying to convince me that he was a brilliant political satirist. And he was satirizing these political figures from 200 years ago I never heard of. Well, how funny is that? He's making jokes, I don't get the references. Anyways, when books are... When books are based on human intellect, we all know that they are, by definition, they are not universally relevant. Even if they're important books that that people read to be aware of what the author was saying, they're not universally relevant. They have limitations. Not everyone has the same type of mind. Not everyone's going to get excited about the same stuff. Like our sages say, our sages say about the bracha you make, what's the bracha when you see 600,000 Jews? 600,000 Jews are the number that came out of Egypt. So you see a mass, a multitude of 600,000 Jews. You make the bracha, the, the Hashem is the one who knows all secrets. So why do we make the bracha? Uh, Hashem is the one who knows all secrets Because you're looking at 600,000 Jews And every single one of them has a different mind Not one of them has the same mindset So it's it's staggering 600,000 people It's not just 600,000 uh, faces It's 600,000 different minds They all have different worldviews. So not everyone's going to get excited about the same stuff or like the Ramban says, what was astounding about Yeshua, about the successor of Meshach Rabbeinu, Moses' successor, Joshua. What was astounding about him is he was a, a person who had the spirit in him. And as the sages explain, that means that he was able to connect to the Ruach, to the spirit of each individual. He wasn't just... A general leader who was charismatic, but he had a a, he had a a knack for connecting to each person on their level. He was able to connect to everyone on their level, which is astounding because every single person has a different level. Okay. So we know that when it comes to secular books, and by the way, al Tadeb is not even talking about secular books. He's actually even talking about Jewish books that were written by an author, but based on what the author's understanding of things were. Okay, so even Jewish books, but the Jewish book is the product of an author's ideas. So we know those books are not going to be universally relevant. Yeah. Was the compilers forward written before the pamphlets were issued or before the book? Wow, that is such a great question. Hear the question? Was the compilers forward written before the pamphlets or before the book? First of all, I'm blown away. You even remember that I mentioned that detail last week, that the book existed in pamphlet form before it was bound, printed, and bound in one single volume. So the compilers forward was written for the publication of Tanya. The book. The book. So the manuscripts, the pamphlets that were floating around, no, they did not have this forward. So people did not have this benefit of this this guidance. Great question. Okay. So there are inherent limitations of books that are based on human intellect. But you want to know something? Even books that are basically a compilation of the wisdom of our sages, which is a t- totally different category. The wisdom of our sages is not human intellect. Now, that, that itself is an assertion that I'm not prepared to argue right now, so I'll just I'll ask you to take it as axiomatic. But the words of Chazal, of our Chachomim, are not human intellect, they are Torah. And just like the Tere the written Torah that was dictated to Mesh Rabbeinu is from Hashem, so too the words of our sages and the Mishnah and the Gemara, the words of Tere Shebal Peh, these are godly words. Obviously, the manner of transmission, how they came to the world is different. Tere and Tere are different. But the wisdom of the sages is not merely Lahavdil Shakespeare. The wisdom of the sages is Torah. It is divine. So it's a different category. So I understand a book that's written based on human intellect, that it is not going to be universally relevant. Never. It'll never be universally relevant. It'll be exciting for whomever it's exciting for. But even books that are based on the wisdom of the sages, which means Torah, which Torah is in theory, at least universally relevant even Torah books have a limitation. He's going to explain. Okay. Even Jewish books that are based on the wisdom of the sages through whom Hashem spoke. Meaning these these are divine messages. And as we know, Hashem and His Torah are totally one. Meaning this is not Human wisdom. This is godly wisdom. And every spark of every soul from the 600 souls and also the offshoots of those souls. Even the lowest soul, the person who comes down here and in, in this world, in his embodiment, he took the, his embodiment process took the biggest toll on him, meaning he doesn't look so... Uh, doesn't look so eye down here. Okay. But nevertheless, every single Jew, cool, they're all connected to Torah, inherently connected to Torah. And Torah connects them to Hashem. They are connected to Torah. Torah connects them to Hashem. Like it's known from the Holy Zohar. So here's the deal secular books, or even Jewish books that are based on human wisdom, we know it's not going to be universally relevant. But even Jewish books that are based on Chazal, on our sages, there's also a problem. And he says like this the the sages are not just spouting human wisdom, they, they are literally channeling godly wisdom. And every Jew is connected to Torah. Every Jew has an inherent connection to Torah. Every Jew has an inherent connection to Hashem through Torah. So, in theory, at least, if it's a real Torah book, if it's based on the wisdom of Chazal, then in theory, at least, the book should have universal relevance. when When I say, I mean, of course, universal Jewish relevance. Every Jew should be able, in theory, every Jew should be able to connect to it. Hold on, though. That's in a very general way. That's in a very general way. But who says that at a particular moment or at a particular juncture in your life, Or something that's very unique to you, that you're going to go to this book and you're going to find your answer. Yeah, in a very general way, I know I'm connected. I know that this book is speaking to me. It's not just human wisdom. But in a really specific way, I'm not finding me in this message. And the Alterebbe is acknowledging that that happens. Even though Torah was given in such a manner where it is meant to be expounded, where you're supposed to unpack particulars from generalities. right? That's the style of Torah. Torah was given in a way, it's like a bullion cube. You, you have to put it in the hot cup of water to make the soup. So sometimes you have to expand on the words that are there. So we know that. We know that Torah was given, you're supposed to work with it, unpack it, decode it. And then you end up getting the relevance for each specific soul that is rooted in Torah. But not everyone is going to be so fortunate to be able to find their place in Torah. So yes, Torah is connected to every Jew. Yes, even if I can't find it in particular, there is a process of unpacking through which I should be able to ultimately find my particular message. However, who says I'm going to be so lucky that I'm going to successfully engage in that process? So I'm back to the same old problem of books that are written on hu- based on human wisdom, even though I know it's not a book based on human wisdom. I know it's a holy book. I know it's a godly book. I know I, in theory, I'm connected to this book and I can find myself in this book. But in fact, in actual practice, I'm not able to <laughs> apply that method that you're describing, whereby you're, you're able to pull out the particular relevance from the text. Yeah. that that's that would be a great answer if the Rebbe weren't making a certain claim <laughs> See, the problem is we're stuck right now. If it's a book of faith, if it's a book of faith, then who says you have to understand it? Maybe just read it, then it'll have a trickle-down effect. But the Altarebbe is making an assertion that this is Chabad, chokhma bin Adas, which means the mind, and that you are supposed to understand it. So if he's making a claim that his approach is one that, the, in fact, not only in his approach are supposed to understand but the entire approach is based is predicated on the idea of understanding so now we're in a pickle <laughs> because who says that i'm going to be able to understand this book mm-hmm. so we're, we're the you do schedule, you do schedule, right to <laughs> Well, that's true with everything. We have, to have, uh, we have to have faith that Hashem is going to help us. But uh, yeah, but it, it doesn't address the underlying issue that I'm supposed to be able to understand what this book is talking about. Not only understand it uh, intellectually, but I'm supposed to understand how it's speaking to my issues here and now. So that has to be dealt with. Now, Al Tareb is going to still continue to exacerbate the question. I don't think we're going to get to the answer today. He's going to build on the question. He's really talking you out of this. Okay. <laughs> Even when when you're dealing with laws of uh, permissible and prohibited, which he calls nigleis lano, the revealed matters. You know, in Torah, you have the body and the soul. The body means the technical stuff. Halacha behavioral stuff things that are are easy to describe they're concrete you get up go wash your hands you say brachas halacha is easy easy to convey because it's concrete it's talking about behaviors then you have the hidden aspects the hidden aspects means the abstract spiritual stuff stuff that's intangible which he's going to say is like emotions that's what he's about to say in, in, in another couple of lines. It's like emotions. Like to describe a behavior that's pretty concrete. This is how you get up in the morning. This is how you get dressed. Look in Kitzur Shulchan Aruch, It describes it. But how are you supposed to feel? Feelings are much harder to describe, much more abstract. So the Altaribut says, like he's still, he's still telling you why this book is such a challenge, why any book is such a challenge. He says, even when it comes to revealed matters, meaning halacha, where you're asking what is the halacha? Is this permissible <clears throat> or is it forbidden? Even in those areas, we find disputes of the sages from one extreme to the other. One will tell you it's permissible, and now the other will tell you the exact same behavior is is prohibited. And they are both words of the living God, uses the word elakim, the plural, meaning there's a plurality within the truth of Torah. So within Torah, we're not going to get into the whole discussion of how that works, how halacha works. But the point is, even in things that are supposedly so cut and dried, like halacha, like behavioral law, do this or do that. Oh, it's not so simple. Not so simple. Even in the stuff that's supposedly so straightforward, it's not straightforward. Well, it depends who you ask. It depends which opinion, right? So he says, uh, He explains that why are there a diversity of different opinions? Because there are different souls. Because there are different souls. There are chesed, gvura and tiferous souls. So different souls are going to view Torah in different ways, right? Like I mentioned, Beishamai Beishelal. So Beishamai like is looking from a Gvuda perspective. Beishelal is looking from a Chesed perspective. So souls that are more coming from Chesed, they're going to be more lenient. And then souls that are, more, that are coming from Gvuda are going to be more strict. Anyways, the point is, that's even when you're talking about things that should be fairly straightforward, like halacha. So how much more so are you going to find this diversity, this divergence, this multiplicity of different approaches when you're talking about abstract stuff? And he, he, he names it. the we're talking about love and awe of Hashem in the mind and in the heart. Each one experienced according to their level. Is uh, Aramaic, means an amount, a measure. Each one according to his measure. Or according to what he measures in his heart, or he assesses in his heart. You know, it says about the Her husband is known in the gates Right? What does that mean? Her husband is known in the gates So are gates, but also it's a sheer, it's an amount or to be which means to assess So what it means is her husband, who's the husband? With a capital H Hashem Hashem is known to a person according to his according to what he is able to be according to what you are able to assess, according to what you are able to appreciate that's how well you'll know Hashem okay so what is he saying here even in halacha which should be fa- fairly straightforward you're going to find so many different opinions, it's not clear which way to go now talk about something that's abstract something that's that's very uh, elusive, like love of Hashem, awe of Hashem. These things are are very hard to to pin down. How much more so the discussion is going to be very all over the place and very difficult to to nail it down and to say this is what we're talking about. Just this, this is it. You know, to categorize it, to label it, to put it in a box. It's going to be very hard to do that. So, <clears throat> just to review, because we're gonna we're gonna finish in a minute here. In general, books are difficult to deal with because they're written by an author, they're written based on human wisdom, and the author's limitations are going to make the book not be universally relevant. But then even if you have a book that's not based on human wisdom, it's based on Torah, where in theory I should have a connection to it because it's Torah and every Jew is connected to Torah. But who says I'm going to be able to successfully engage in the process where I'm going to be able to unpack that place in Toyota that's relevant to me, right? And uh, furthermore, this isn't just a halacha book. This is a book about elusive, abstract, intangible stuff where it's going to be really inherently difficult to nail down a particular path. Subject to interpretation. Hmm? Subject to interpretation, right. Subject to interpretation, uh, inherently so, meaning... To say that he like he says these and these are the words of the living god legitimately there are different ways of looking at this matter it's not that it's just uh, you know we're not sure what it is We, we we're lacking knowledge of it no even the experts even chazal who understand exactly what they're talking about are bringing out a complexity they're saying it's not so simple it's not so simple okay so if it's not so simple how in the world am I going to manage to get from this book to actual practical application in my life? It's, it's, it seems almost impossible. So this is the problem or the challenge that the compiler ha- has laid out before us. Without a resolution yet. Let's <laughs> say, so you want to do another hour? Should we do another? I'm joking. We're not going to do another hour. Is it called, you know what they call this in show business? They call this a cliffhanger. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay we're all we're all good any burning questions we have like one minute any burning questions you want to tie up any knots that's good then i'm doing my job yeah